0: Disciple. How many wants to be a disciple? Yes. We've been talking about, we wanna be disciples. We don't just wanna have a label. We wanna be disciples. And last week, we talked about a disciple of Jesus means that we study his words, we, uh, we, we imitate his ways, and we partner with his mission. That's what it looks like to be a disciple. And today, I wanna start, with a historical narrative. In 82 AD, the Roman emperor Domitian built an arch in Rome as a memorial to his brother Titus to commemorate his brother's military accomplishments. You can see a picture of it. And he built this arch to commemorate the things that he had done as part of a general on behalf of Rome. And 12 years earlier, his brother had, Titus, had attacked Jerusalem and he had ransacked the place. He uh, completely destroyed the Jewish temple, not leaving one stone on top of another. And he came back to Rome a hero. And this arch was to commemorate this. And matter of fact, there's another picture that depicts it's uh, on the arch, there's this engraving that shows Roman soldiers carrying out the Jewish menorah out of the temple. And this was basically saying that the gods of Rome have conquered the God of Israel. And it looks, in that moment of time, if you lived in that moment of history and you took a snapshot of that moment, it would look like Rome was more powerful than the God of Israel. But what Rome didn't understand was that there was this group of people following a rabbi named Jesus, and that their God was no longer moving and was no longer symbolized by buildings, was no longer contained to a temple, but he was living in human hearts, and they were temples of the Holy Spirit. And the reality is that God no longer needed a temple because he had duplicated and multiplied himself in human people, and so this ragtag group of people, they looked powerless on the outside, but inside they were full of supernatural authority and strength, and they were world changers. They made up, were made up mostly of simple people who weren't wealthy, they were made up of slaves and non-slaves. They were made up of Greeks, Jews, Romans, and all kinds of nationalities. They were male and female, but what they had in common was they had devoted themselves to be disciples to a man named Jesus. And 300 years after this arch was constructed, the Roman government was forced to make the Christian religion, the state religion, because they had become so powerful. And this arch is a testament that things are very temporary because when God is moving in people, we have to remember we play the long game. And one disciple at a time, these people changed the world. They changed the Roman Empire and they changed what history has written. And nobody, hardly anybody today knows about this arch today, but everybody, almost everybody in the world knows the name of Jesus Christ. And that's because of disciples. How did they do this? Well, there could be many answers to that question, but I think the most consequential aspect was this, was their ability to live and create in community. And today, I wanna talk about discipleship and the church. You see, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus and not be a part of the church. This is not a Lone Ranger religion. We live in community. Discipleship is rooted in relationship. I'm gonna say that again. Discipleship is rooted in relationship. The first relationship that we have in discipleship is with the rabbi Jesus the second relationship we have is with the church and Jesus said to Peter he says I tell you you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth, it shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, it shall be loosed in heaven. He was speaking of the power his church would have. And when we become a disciple, this is so important, when we become a disciple, we are placed into a family called the church. There is not a choice to be a disciple and not be a part of the church, or to be a disciple to be a part of the church. If you are a true disciple, by definition, you are in the church and you need the church. Is anybody thankful for the church today? Anybody thankful that the church isn't about buildings? It's not about materials, it's about people. The church is a gathering. That that word for church that Jesus used there in uh, Matthew 16 is the Greek word ecclesia. And it simply means a gathering of people. This is the church today. And if this building burnt down to the ground tomorrow, we could meet somewhere else, hopefully indoors. And as long as there were two or three people there, Jesus would be in the midst of us. How many thankful for the people around you today? How many is thankful for God's church? And I want to read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about what the church looks like and why you need it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose. But as it is, God arranged, uh, the members, uh, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse. If all were one, a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division. Everybody say no division. division. In the body that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So Paul, in this scripture, he likens the church to the human body. It has a head that controls most of everything else. And then there's fingers and and hands to pick things up. There's legs to make it mobile. And all of these parts make the body work. And this is an ingenious illustration Because it shows the way that the church should function. Jesus is the head. He directs the body. He provides central coordination. And he tells the different parts where to move and when to move. And that Jesus is the center of the church. Somebody say amen. Jesus, the church is about Jesus. The the church is not found on human personalities. It's not founded upon events, and it's not founded upon the need to build buildings and and to uh, make ourselves look great. It is founded and it is directed by Jesus. We are a Jesus church. Can I get an amen today? Jesus is the head. I am not the head of the church, Jesus is the head of the church. The body as a whole is made up of diverse parts and each of them have their distinct and unique function. You don't think about the nail on your pinky finger until something goes wrong and then you realize that part of my body not only is important but it can cause me a lot of pain if not taken care of, right? And that's how it is with the church. From the smallest to the largest, from what is viewed as the most important to the least important, they all have their place. And when one part of the body hurts, all of the body hurts. And so today, I wanna talk to us about why the church is important. And the first thing I wanna tell us is this, Jesus and his church are inseparable. Jesus and his church are inseparable. The church is divinely infused. It's a divinely infused organism that carries the life of Jesus. If you say you love Jesus, you must love his church. It's not an either or, it's a both and. You must love the church. Jesus no longer walks this earth ministering to one person at a time in a physical human body. He walks this earth through you and I. His work, his hands and his feet are you and I. And we have to respond and we have to find our place in the body so that Jesus is glorified. And you cannot call yourself a disciple and not be a part of the church. And even though that's fashionable these days, it's fashionable to get on Instagram and talk about how horrible the church is and it's fashionable to make documentaries exposing the church. I I wanna give us a word of of caution today about those things. We need to be careful. Are some of the concerns in those documentaries real? Yes. Are there some things that need to be fixed? Yes. I wanna ask you this, what if somebody did a documentary about you and they talked to every person who had a bad interaction with you, who you disappointed. I guarantee you we could come up with a whole mini-series. I know that's true of me. So we need to be careful before we throw stones at other churches, because how many knows we need the grace, all the grace we can get? And if you made a documentary about this church, I promise you, you would find lots of content. And we need to be careful because it's God's church and he takes it personally. And and you cannot call yourself a disciple and not be a part of the church. It's fashionable to say now, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Well, what you're really saying is I hate Jesus. Because the church is his body. Now, that doesn't mean the church is perfect. It is not perfect. But here's what we gotta realize. You, You need more than Jesus and coffee. You need Jesus and his church. You need to be a part of his church. And, and this thinking, this thinking, I'm gonna call it for what it is. It's self-righteous and it's egotistical. When you, what you're really saying is that you don't need the family of God and you're better than them. That, that I've got it all together and I don't need God's family. And Jesus, when he confronted Saul, do you remember when he confronts Saul? You remember what Saul had been up to? He was going around persecuting God's church. He was uh, killing the saints. He was throwing people in prison. And when God knocked him off his horse and he has this interaction with Jesus, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You see, when you attack God's church, now I'm not saying this to manipulate, but you need to be careful when you attack God's church, when you get bitter against God's church, because it's his body, it's his organism in the earth. And so God uses the church to sanctify us. That's why you need the church. It's his way of sanctifying us, because why, discipleship takes place in relationship. I need you to sanctify me. You need me to sanctify you. We need to work together and have relationship together so that we can be the people God has called us to be. We need other disciples in the journey. You need the person sitting next to you today. You need the person sitting across the aisle and in the balcony. I need them to make me more like Jesus. And the family of God is like any other family. There's weird uncles and weird aunts. You need them too. You know why? Because you can remove yourself and say, I'm not going to the church because there's too many weird people. And so what? You're gonna go to a ball game and sit by a bunch of drunks? You're gonna go to a bar and sit next to a bunch of miserable people. Newsflash, there's weird people everywhere. Including in this pulpit. And that's what makes a family a family. At one point Paul says this, he says, put up with one another, bear one another's burdens. Are there some people I I tolerate? Yes. A lot of you probably have to tolerate me. But that's a part of being in the church. Why? Because I need that in my life to teach me sanctification. And when I take that element out of my life and I say, I just wanna do this on my own and I just wanna turn on Christian TV for an hour and read my Bible and I don't wanna have to do the messy part, you're ridding yourself of a critical element of sanctification and that is people in my life who show me Jesus. So the easy solution is this, to do life alone and to eliminate the risk of hurt and the messiness that follows living in community with other people in the context of a church. And so discipleship, by definition, is the lifelong practice of doing life with other people. You cannot be a disciple and not do life with other people. All throughout the New Testament, very rarely, if ever, do you see disciples doing stuff by themselves. Even the Apostle Paul took people with him, he took people with him on missionary journeys. Why? Because we is greater than me. I need you. You need me, and it's because the power of God is working in you, and the power of God is working in me, and when we join together in unity, we can multiply the kingdom of God in the earth. Can we give God a praise today? It says on the day of Pentecost, they were in what, one, one place, one mind, and one accord. That's what the church should look like. We, we need to gather in one place, in one mind, and one accord, because greater things can happen. The Holy Spirit can fall when I'm together in unity with other disciples. The second thing I want to tell us today is that you need the church, and the church needs you. Look at your neighbor and say, you need the church, and the church needs you. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And then skipping down to, to verse 22, he says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The weakest person in this church is indispensable. The youngest child in this church is indispensable. The oldest, the most frail among us, indispensable. Why, because that makes up the body of Christ. And Paul says that all the members of the body have a unique contribution to give to the greater body and maybe you're in a season of life where the only thing you can do for this church right now is show up. Thank you. Thank you. Why? Because we need you here. Just your presence here is a blessing. And when I when I disconnect myself from the greater body of Christ, here's what I'm doing. I'm limiting the contribution that I can make to the church. And when I limit the contribution I can make to the church, I limit what Jesus can do in the earth. Anybody tracking with me today? I stand here today the product of the church. Not that I'm anything great, but I stand here today because of Sunday school teachers, youth pastors, ministry leaders, and just good old-fashioned church-going saints who made me who I am, who discipled me, and they discipled me sometimes in times when they didn't even know it. And it made me the person I am. Where would I be without the church? Where would I be in life without the church? And you could ask the same question of yourself. Where would I be without those people who, by the way, were flawed? But they stood up and they showed up anyhow. Where would I be without them? And today you see the problem in saying that you don't need the church or that you don't need to be involved in the church because people have hurt you is this, remember I said earlier, when people leave the church because they say things, well, it's just full of hypocrites, I've, I've been hurt, I've been uh, severely damaged by the church, and by the way, those things happen. I'm not trying to eliminate that reality. What I'm saying is this, before you get too critical and too judgmental, ask the question, How many people have you hurt? How many people have you disappointed? How many people have looked at you and they say, if that's a Christian, I don't want it? Because the truth is, for probably all of us, we've had that moment in our life. Because no disciple is Jesus. Nobody is perfect. And if we let, every time we failed, to keep us from coming to church, if we let every time we saw someone else fail and we left the church, there would be no church. And thank God for people who step up because when you step up and serve in a church, you're taking a risk because I for one know I'm extremely flawed. And I just wanna tell you, Just right up front, if you've started coming, I'm gonna disappoint you at some point. I'm gonna fail you at some point. Don't give up on the church because of me. Don't give up on the church because of you. Keep serving, keep loving God. Why? Because the world needs the church. And so it's self-righteous to throw stones at the church when it's filled with people like you. And so when you say yes to serve in the church, you're you're opening up yourself to criticism. As Brother Tenney used to say, the higher you go up the totem pole, the more people see your rear end. (laughs) When you rise up in leadership, people are gonna see your faults. People are gonna see the things in your life that don't exactly align up with what you portray yourself on Sunday. Keep serving. That's the process of sanctification. That's the process of becoming more like Jesus. And here's here's the problem. People uh, expect the church to be perfect. You will not find a perfect church. If you're on that journey to find a perfect church, good luck. I wish you well. You're going to be very busy. Yeah. Jesus is perfect. His church is not. And that is why we come together knowing that we're not perfect, knowing we're flawed, knowing we have problems. We come together one more Sunday to say, Lord, make me more like You Can we give God praise today? If that's what you want, God, make me more like you. Number three, church hurt is worth staying in the church. Church hurt is worth staying in the church. Paul says that there, 1 Corinthians 12, he says that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The price of church hurt is worth the blessing of church. The enemy wants us to overlook the victories that happen in the church to see the hurt that happens in the church. And, and here's something I want to address today. I, I talk to people, and they'll they'll be like, "Well, I just don't want to go to the church because the church hurt me." And then I'll start talking to them, and most of the time, almost all the time, it wasn't the church that hurt them. It was one person, or maybe a small group, but it wasn't the whole church. And that's what I want to encourage you today. If one person offends you, don't leave. It's one person. If 100 people are in the room and one person doesn't want you there, there's 99 that still want you there. And when I come to church, I'm not gonna gonna focus on the one. I'm gonna thank God for the 99 that are behind me. I'm gonna thank God. Don't give up on the church. When we say the church hurt us, what we really mean is a few people hurt us. When we say the organization hurt me, what we really mean is a few people in the organization hurt us. I wanna address something very real. Sometimes pastors mess up bad. And it hurts, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see people who was the model of holiness and sanctification and stuff comes out and you find out it was all a facade. And it can make you question everything about God and the church. And I want to tell you, if I ever disappoint you, do not leave the church. If this church, if something happens and you just can't come here anymore, I want to tell you, that's okay. Go find a church. If I go off the deep end and start preaching crazy stuff, Stay in the Word of God and go find a church. Stay in the church. Get your kids in a church. Get your uh, kids around faith-filled people who believe the Word of God. That is how we are saved. That's how generations stay serving. I wish somebody would believe that today. Stay in the church. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on the family of God. When we isolate ourselves, it leaves us open to the attack of the enemy. The enemy loves to isolate and get people detached from the rest of the body because it's in that place that we're open for attack. Find people to connect with. Maybe it's a small group within the church. Maybe there's only two or three people in the church that you really trust. We'll get together, find those two or three people, and stay connected to other people. We cannot live, disciples cannot live in isolation. And so I, I implore you today, get involved in the church. Stay passionate about the church. Get your kids to the church why because if every person that was ever hurt quit this church there would be no church let me tell you yours truly if anybody has her reason to be cynical about the church you're looking at it when you're a pastor's kid you see the good the bad and the ugly at a young age you see people at their best and you see people at their worst And I thank God that somewhere along the way, despite all that, he gave me a love for his church. You know why? Because it's it's in this place I was filled with the spirit. It was in this place I was baptized. Have I been hurt here? Yes. (laughs) But I've also been encouraged. I've also been built up. There's been words of prophecy spoken over me in this church that would not have taken place if I would have left. How many blessings would I have robbed myself of if I would have been offended and left? How, how uh, much less effective would this church be if everybody who was offended got hurt left? And there was no Christ tabernacle in this community. I, and I say this community is better because of Christ tabernacle, because of our presence. And it's because people didn't give up on the church. People stayed and stuck with it. And there's gonna come a time in your life, and I don't wanna encourage our students, there's gonna come a time, you're... you're maybe you you go to college and you, you leave this place and you're isolated, find a church. If you move away, find a church. If you can't be here on Sunday, find a church. Find somewhere where you're encouraged. Why? Because when we isolate, we put ourselves in line for attack. Find a church. Stay in a church. Join with the vision of that church and do life together. Paul says that when one member Suffers, we all suffer. And some of the greatest affirmation of the church in my life is this, funerals. Because it's in that time when the church comes together and the body of Christ operates together. The question I have for you, you can leave you can read your Bible by yourself. But when you get older and there's nobody to care for you, nobody to check on you, it's because you did that to yourself when you broke away from God's body. And I take comfort to know if something happens to me, something happens to Bishop. I got a 500 member family Run into my side. Now, if I suffer a loss, I won't suffer by myself. I got a great big old family who's in the battle with me, who's in the mission with me. And so I implore you, come be a part of the church. If today, if we all stand. And if you want to join the family of God, if you want to, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you want to formally become part of the church, formally become part of this family, well, here's what you do. You are baptized into the church. And if you've never been water baptized, I want to tell you, that's your next step in your journey of discipleship. How many loves to see people baptized into the name of Jesus And we make a big deal of it. You know why? Because when you go down in that water, another member of the family's been at it. And you become my brother. You become my sister. And we got your back in this place. I wonder if we could just lift up our hands all over this place. And can we just make a affirmation? God, I'm here for your church. God, I'm here for your body. God, I'm here for the battle. I'm not giving up. I'm not gonna get discouraged and let discouragement take me away from the body of Christ. Look, come on, let's open up these altars right now. I want us to reaffirm our commitment to be a disciple. Let's reaffirm our place in the kingdom of God. Lord, I am a part of the body of Christ. I'm a part of of an organism that's the greatest organization on the planet no it's not perfect but lord i thank you for your church i thank you for your church that taught me i thank you for your church that baptized me god i thank you for your church lord that's cared to come on has anybody been blessed by god's body god's church come on if you need something from the lord today You know what I love about the church? We can line up chairs and we can say, if you need prayer, you come down here and we're gonna lay hands on you. And that's the power of the body of Christ. People can be healed. People can be delivered. People can be set free. People can see their lives changed. So why don't we lift up our hands again all over this place and let's sing it. I decree.